Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to the Astros Rays ALCS Game 2 postgame show. Joining me is my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and longtime journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, while you'd think that anything can happen in baseball, I mean, it's baseball, but the Astros season looks over after two games, if I'm being honest. And it's because they aren't getting the bounces. They can't get big hits. Mentally, they haven't shown up atrocious defense and while the Rays defense has been completely opposite their clutch hitting has been opposite everything about the Rays has been opposite of the Astros at this point I think Chandler Rome said it best when he said that when he tweeted out the Rays are a machine yeah they're a well-oiled machine and that's what they're playing like right now and San Diego is just not a friendly place for the Astros to play Robert remember 1998 uh, the year of Randy me. Johnson and how they couldn't score a run to save their life in that series with the Padres. And then this year they had trouble with the Padres in San Diego. And now they're playing this series at Petco Park and they have scratched what little runs have come across. <laughs> they, they've had to really work for it. But, you know, I, I mean, yeah, we're going to see what the Astros are made of now that they're down two games to none. They they haven't been able to, you know, they certainly haven't had to come back this season from a series like that in the postseason, but it's not as if they haven't been here before in the past, but boy, they've got to get it together now or it is definitely over. Yeah. This ballpark, unlike the one in 1998 named after dog food Astros, regular players, uh, not the pitchers. We'll get to the pitchers in a second. The regular players, they're playing like dogs. Yeah, they, they really are. And you know, in the first four innings, the Astros stranded seven runners and five of them in scoring position you had a Tucker strikeout in the first, and then that crazy foul out by Springer and Margot making that catch when he flipped over the rail in the second inning. And then Springer, bad luck again. He lines out to Brandon Lau in the fourth. You know, you were talking about the, the Rays bringing the glove. That was a fine play. You know, and then, of course, in the ninth when they really had a chance to tie the game or take the lead, and they couldn't do it. So, so many chances in this game. And so many chances in game one, it just it, it just breaks your heart if you're an Astros fan. Yeah, Springer, who's been Mr. October, three big chances in this game. You mentioned two of them. He also grounded out with two on in the fourth inning. You mentioned the hard hit ball late in the game. And then, you know, yesterday's game, I think he had another opportunity. He's had multiple opportunities. That's your Mr. October. And you talk about runners in scoring position. They're three for 16 with runners in scoring position. And like I said, this is not the pitching for sure. This series is about the Astros who have the big scarlet C on their chest for cheater not coming through. And it doesn't look good for those guys. And the national media got to love this. Yeah, you know they're loving it. And all the uh, opposing team fans who are cheering and rooting against the Astros, and anybody that's rooting against the Astros, uh, the, the Rays are their friend right now because that's, you know, that that's what it is. The Astros are now get down two games to none. And they lose to Charlie Morton, who had won his previous five postseason starts coming into this game. And he pitched well against the Astros in last year's ALDS. So Charlie Morton, you know, the, the guy who helped the Astros win the World Series in 2017, is now the Astros' nemesis with the Rays. Yeah, you turn Clark Kent into Superman, and then you let him walk out the door for virtually nothing. And that's uh, one of many things that I 
cannot forgive Jeff Luno that he did over those last couple of years. Osuna, the cheating, all of that stuff, just it, it, it angers me. And what angers me also is when you get seven innings, zero walks, and one earned run from Lance McCullers, you get six innings, two earned runs from Fromber, and the bullpen doesn't give up one run in two games. You got to win one of those games. You've got to. Oh, it's it's all on the hitting, Robert. I mean, yeah, the and and even the three run homer that McCullers gave up. If if Altuve hadn't made that error, the, the defense definitely faltered today. The Astros MLB leading defense, nine ninety one fielding percentage, and Altuve makes not one but two errors. But it was the first one that really cost the Astros the game because that's when the three-run homer came by Margot. So, yeah, the pitching, I mean, you can't you can't fault the pitching. What, what mistakes they made have been few, and the bullpen, hey, they came through again today. So, again, these young pitchers are doing it just like they've been doing it all season. You know, all year long, I've pointed out that Altuve has not only been stinky at the plate, he's been stinky in the field. It kind of has gone under the radar because everybody's been talking about his hitting, and while he didn't have – any throwing errors in the regular season. It felt like he did at times, but, you know, I thought he got away with some bad throws thanks to Yuli in the regular season. Yuli then has maybe his worst game at first base in his playoff career. One of his worst games at first base ever. And, Stephen, you know, sometimes I think you got to give errors as a split, like half and half, like you give sacks in football. And, honestly, on both of those errors, it was Altuve with the throw in the dirt, but Yuli has got to take half the blame because those were not tough digs at first base. No, they really weren't, and he normally does make those catches, certainly on the first one. I, I believe, if, if I remember, they initially gave the error to Guriel, and then they changed it to Altuve. And and so, you know, and yeah, as you said, in both cases, both of those guys could have made the play and should have made the play. So really that was the difference in the game as, as much as the Astros' lack of hitting when it counted is the Rays' defense just very much outplayed the Astros' defense today. Yeah, also, you talk about not getting guys in with runners in scoring position. Well, when you do hit a home run like Correa did, he does it with nobody on base. And that's, that's also, you know, we had so many chances where, oh, a home run would have given you two runs, three runs, four runs in the last two games. And they got none of those. They got none of those three, two, three, four, you know, grand slam home runs. And, and, and that's, that's where you've got to, that's where you got to win the game in playoffs. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the ball was carrying better in the daytime as, as we knew it would. Uh, maybe not quite the way in Dodger Stadium, but good enough. And the Astros were getting some good contact on the ball, but it just, you know, it's like the the wee Willie Keeler. They weren't hitting them where they ain't uh, type of balls, but that, you know, you don't have a number of games to try to come back from that. It's got to happen in game three. Alex Bregman, he takes the collar 0 for 5 in this game, but, you know, he had a golden opportunity runners on first and third, a fly ball, a weak ground ball, Lots of different things would have gotten in one run. Instead, he laces one for an easy out. And, you know, it's just like you said, it's like you got to hit them where the players aren't situated. And one thing you got to hand the, the race, not only you mentioned their defense is outstanding, but defensive placement. They seem to know where the Astros are going to hit the ball. Well, you know what? That's it too, Robert, is that, you know, with the shift and all the different positioning that the fielders do, the, the Rays definitely have the Astros figured out. 
And uh, they've scouted them well because, you know, they didn't play them this year. But, of course, a lot of the Astros' core players are the same guys that they played last year. So they should be somewhat familiar with them. And, yeah, they, they absolutely are getting in the right positions to make the plays, even when the Astros do hit the ball hard. But, yeah, you know, there were some plays where it just – they were line shots. And, you know, Lau and Adamas and, and some of these guys, they were just Johnny on the spot, as they say. Yeah, this number I just ran across. So the ball that Springer hit, the the hard hit ball that he hit that um, really cost you and because he hit it right at somebody, had an expected batting average of 540. That's 11 outs on balls with an expected batting average of 330 or higher. That tells you what the problem is right there. You've got to find some holes in this defense. Yeah, you certainly do. And that the ball that he lined to, I believe it was Brandon Lau, it was 105 miles per hour off the bat. I mean, that's how hard the shot was. But again, Lau was in the right place at the right time. So, you know, you can hit it as hard as you want. But if it results in an out, then, you know, on the score sheet, it doesn't really matter. You, you don't draw pictures on the score sheet, as they say. An out is an out, and that's what happened. Yeah, th- these numbers, according to Brian McTaggart, the Astros are 0-2 despite out-hitting the Rays 19-10, to striking out 26 Rays batters of a possible 48 outs in two games, and the starting pitchers allowing three earned runs in 13 innings pitched. And that's, you know, it's the frustration because you've done a lot of things right, but you haven't done the little things. And, you know, I, you've got to have luck sometimes in the playoffs, and the Astros... They've had luck. It's called bad luck. Yeah, in this series, certainly. You know, because everything was going their way in the twin series, and most everything was going their way in the A series. Well, now they're they're on the opposite end of uh, the things going the wrong way. And look, the the Rays were forty and twenty during the regular season for a reason. I mean, this this is as Chandler Rome said in his tweet. They they are a machine, and they're definitely playing like a machine. And and even when their pitchers aren't doing well. You know, Nick Anderson, he came out of the bullpen, didn't look good at all. He, he had trouble with his control. I mean, if, they, if there was any a time for the Astros to take advantage, it would have been then. You know, and even Morton was shaky. Uh, he th- probably threw 50-something pitches in the first three innings. But they could not take advantage even when the Rays weren't looking at their best from a pitching standpoint. Where was the Nick Anderson that misses free throws at the end of games for the for the Rockets uh, in, the, in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking that. And I think they even mentioned that on the radio broadcast. You know, of course, we're referring to uh, Nick Anderson of the Orlando Magic in the 1995 NBA Championship Series. He missed two crucial free throws against the Rockets in game one when the Rockets won that second straight NBA title and swept the Magic. Yeah, we could have used that Nick Anderson. The Astros certainly could have in this game. This is Dusty's quote after the game. He said, quote, we've got beat by misfortune. Who is she? Misfortune? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I know her, <laughs> but no, he's right. A misfortune, but you, you do have to play better. You certainly have to play better defensively. And again, we talk about those timely hits all the time, and but that's what it is in the postseason. You're not always going to get the the towering, you know, the clusters of runs necessarily. I mean, the Astros did it in the A series, sure, but it's not always going to come, especially against a good pitching team like the Rays. That That's just going to be few and far between. But misfortune, yeah, that's part of it. But they certainly have to play better defensively, and they've got to start getting runners in and scoring position, or this series is going to be over quick. Yeah, we're going to remember Bregman making the final out on the long fly ball. But 
you look at his at, at bats and he had five hard hit balls, 95 plus mile per hour exit velo. And they were all five outs, like I said. And that's why I just, I'm not big on the exit velo. I, I, I kind of feel like that's one of those stats that we, you know, gotten into with analytics that I, I just don't have a whole lot of respect for. I don't think that's a big deal because, you know, we, we, we talk about finding the holes and being smart as a hitter and seeing where the defense is and, and all of those things. And it's like a quarterback that like, oh, he can throw it 99 miles an hour. Well, is he hitting like a guy in stride or is he just throwing it 99 miles an hour? <laughs> yeah. And the receiver still has to catch the ball. And so, yeah, there's a lot of analytics, Robert, to be honest with you, that I just, I, I either just don't get into it or they're just over my head. And I, I think some of them, you know, it's, it's number, it's, it's great for people who love numbers. And I know you're somewhat a numbers guy, but I just, I, I kind of feel like sometimes maybe these are a little bit overrated. And again, you can hit the ball as hard as you want, but if you don't hit it to the right spot, it isn't going to matter. What also sucks about these two games, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dusty, I've been criticizing him all year long. I'm not a big Dusty fan. Dusty's had two good games. I mean, I can't find the, I can't find the little crack in the armor for Dusty in these first two games. He's, he's done a good job. No, he, you can't. I, I'm telling you, he, he has definitely made the right moves. He let Lance McCullers stay in the game, and you know he pitched seven innings, and it seemed like he got stronger as the game went on. And even when he was nearing 100 pitches, Dusty didn't take him out until after the seventh inning. He let him fish, finish the inning. And, you know, and, and in game one, there wasn't, I think we even mentioned it, I couldn't think of a move that Dusty made that was controversial or, you know, a bad decision. And that's, you know, a, a lot of times, Robert, that also is what happens in the postseason is being outmanaged, you know, outcoached is that one bad decision can turn a series around or, you know, in, in a good way or a bad way. I really haven't seen that in this series. I think both managers have done a good job in how they have used their personnel, especially their pitching. Well, you got Jose Arquiti going on Wednesday night. You're going to have a Wednesday night game and then a Thursday night game. So the Astros are, are in prime time, which shocks me here for the next couple of games. I mean, what do you do? What do you, what do you change? How do you make, you know, how do you change the luck around for a team that just seems like they're snake bit the first couple of, uh, you know, not just snake bit. I mean, we said it, there's some, some mental stuff that they need to correct and errors and things like that. But how do you change the luck? Well, the only thing I would say, I mean, you have to go with who brung you, so you, you certainly can't tinker with the lineup too much at this point. I think one of the things that, that kind of set the Rays hitters apart from the Astros hitters in this game particularly is they were very aggressive on the first pitch, whereas the Astros seemed to not be quite so much. And so, you know, it, it at least for the most part worked for the Rays in this game. So as long as the Astros don't get too overconfident and start swinging at bad pitches— that you know, that maybe they need to be a little more aggressive on the first pitch, or or at least when they're at the plate. But it, it certainly in game one they were very patient. It just didn't quite work out. So I think you just have to keep doing what you're doing and maybe make a you know a few adjustments here and there. Obviously, it was good to see Guriel at least start getting some hits, albeit infield ones. And I believe he drew a walk. So you know, if his bat, if he could just get that confidence where his bat could heat up. That may very well be the difference in turning the series around. Steven, before we go, we got to talk a bit about yet another Astros legend we've now lost this year. Second baseman Joe Morgan passes away at age 77 on Sunday. Joe actually was a roommate with the Toy Cannon, 
who we lost just a few months ago. And Morgan grew up in Oakland, but if you didn't know, actually born in Bonham, Texas, north of Dallas. Many Astros fans have heard of Bonham because it's the first birthplace of Danny Darwin, nicknamed the Bonham Bullet, as yeah, a lot of you right. old-school Astro fans, I'm sure, will remember. And as most of you know, he was an original – Joe Morgan was an original Colt 45, signed as a free agent in 1962 – Steven, you go back to the early 70s as an Astros fan. Do you remember his younger years in Houston? No, I really don't because, you know, they traded him in 1971 to the Reds, of course, in the, one of the most controversial trades. You think the DeAndre Hopkins trade was controversial here? You know, Joe Morgan, Jack Bellingham, Cesar Geronimo, a lot of those guys, they were with the Astros and they got traded to the Reds, which, of course, formed the big red machine. So, no, I, I, I watched Joe Morgan play as a Cincinnati Red until – of course, he came back to the Astros and it helped him in the 1980 season when they made the playoffs for the first time. So I did get to watch him toward the end of his career with the Astros. But unfortunately, most of the time when I watched Joe Morgan, he was with the big red machine. And of course, I couldn't stand him because, I, you know, but look, such a class guy, great player. I mean, he could steal bases with the best of them, uh, you know, multiple MVP winner. The 1975 World Series, one of the most exciting World Series ever between the Reds and the Red Sox. And Joe Morgan was a hero in that series. So, you know, another boy, we've just been losing him left and right. We've been losing our sports figures, our musicians. Just been a, a, a crazy year. But Joe Morgan, yet another in a long line of great stars of baseball history that uh, is now gone and their memory lives on. It's funny you should mention the DeAndre Hopkins trade, because I was reading about Morgan and supposedly Astros manager Harry Walker pulled a Bill O'Brien. One reason Morgan got dealt from what I read was because he considered Morgan selfish, moody, and a troublemaker. Does that sound like anybody we know? Uh, Bill hmm. O'Brien, a little Bill O'Brien thing. And by the way, as a teenager, Harry Walker used to hang out with Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. That's a true story. Uh, Steven, it's just crazy to think now, but at the time, experts thought the Astros got the better end of the Morgan trade when they got back Lee May, all-star second baseman Tommy Helms, and an outfielder named Jimmy Stewart. One person, though, who didn't think the Astros got the better end of the deal was Tal Smith, who was working in the organization at the time and, of course, later became the GM. Stephen, let's listen back to Tal Smith when we had him on the show a few years ago discussing the deal. You can go back into the archives. Just uh, re-ran this recently in the Throwback Thursdays, but... He discussed the deal, the Joe Morgan deal, and the Astros GM at the time, Speck Rick, or, uh, excuse me, Speck Richardson, who orchestrated the Morgan deal. I don't think he was a very, very good evaluator or recognizer of talent. I, uh, I remember I was just shocked uh, at at the Morgan trade, and uh, I can recall Joe Hiling was the beat writer for the Houston Post at that time, and. Well, the, the trade, as I recall, we were in Scottsdale, Arizona for meetings, uh, Major League Baseball meetings. When word came to me that and, uh, that, that we had traded Morgan, I mean, I, I was I supposedly was, at that time was director of player personnel, but uh, Speck uh, did not choose to tell me about this or advise me about it. And uh, when, I, when I found out about it, I, I was incensed and probably made some comments I shouldn't have. I remember calling, I remember telling Joe Heiling, who was standing there, and, and Joe said, what do you think? And I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just devastated. I said, Morgan, Morgan's going to become an MVP. And sure enough, it was just a couple of years later, he won MVP honors back to back. And when I saw Speck a few minutes after the trade was announced, 
And I said, well, you may as well trade Mayberry now, because obviously the Morgan trade to Cincinnati, we got back Lee May, a first baseman, Tommy Helves, a second baseman, and Jimmy Stewart, a utility player. And I said, you may as well trade Mayberry, because, uh, you know, he, he, I thought John was ready. His path was blocked now by May. And so, obviously, you know, that was one thing. Uh, Spec did follow through on. He traded Mayberry. <laughs> but I was, I, I, I was just devastated by that. Should have listened to Tal Smith, Stephen. Well, I'll tell you what. You talk about Speck Richardson not being a great evaluator. Tal Smith was one of the greatest evaluators of baseball talent that there ever has been. And he's he's absolutely right. And Speck Richardson took a lot of heat for that trade for years afterward, Robert. And, you know, Joe Morgan actually made his first all-star appearance as a member of the Astros in the mid-60s. I believe it was 1966. So, and and he has even said in multiple interviews that while many people credit him for becoming a great player when, when he was with the Cincinnati Reds, Joe Morgan himself said, no, I became a great player when I was with Houston because I was taught how to play the game when I was with the Colt 45s and the Astros. Nellie Fox, who was with the Colt 45s for a brief period, was a great influence on Joe Morgan and took him under his wing, worked with him quite a bit. Joe had a lot of respect for him. So, you know, it's funny he mentioned, Tal Smith mentioned he should trade John Mayberry. Yeah, that's exactly what Speck did. John Mayberry, another great player who left the Astros organization. And Lee May and Tommy Helps, they were good players. They they had good years with the Astros, but they just couldn't quite get over the hump. They, they didn't have quite the depth of pitching, you know, that you probably needed. And, of course, you know, the, the Cincinnati Reds formed the Big Red Machine thanks to that trade. And nobody was going to beat them. They they were like the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s. No matter how good the Oilers were, they weren't going to beat the Steelers in those two years in the AFC Championship. Well, it was the same way with the Cincinnati Reds, and Joe Morgan was a big part of that. It wasn't like the Astros only gave up Joe Morgan in the trade. At Armbrister, a minor league outfielder, starting pitcher Jack Billingham, Cesar Geronimo, who became a regular outfielder for the Reds, and infielder Dennis Menke was involved in that deal, who That's was right. later a well-regarded Astros hitting coach, was the hitting coach in that 86 playoff run that the Astros made. And the Astros traded Joe Morgan after seven years as their regular second baseman. And you pointed out, Stephen, correctly, that he went to an All-Star game as an Astro, went to two All-Star games, actually, as an Astro, finished 31st for MVP one season. But that was as high as he finished for the for the Astros, was 31st after he was dealt to the Reds. Right after he was dealt to the Reds, he had five straight seasons where he finished top eight in MVP, two years where he won MVP outright, five gold gloves, eight straight all-star games, two championships, and 885 OPS as a second baseman. The Astros signed him after those eight years, but he hit 243 for the Astros that year. Never had another all-star appearance, although he finished 16th in the MVP race in 1982, uh, that was not for the Astros, though. That was for the Giants. And Stephen, name an MLB team with a better second base tradition than the Astros. The list is Joe Morgan, Craig Biggio, Jose Altuve, Jeff Kent, Bill Doran, Nellie Fox, and Phil Garner. Those are oh. a few of the Astros' second basemen. Boy, that, yeah, you, you certainly don't get much better than that. If you're talking about a team with all those second basemen and, and many of them Hall of Famers or soon-to-be Hall of Famers. Wow, that is quite a list. Yeah, you've got that right. And, you know, with Joe Morgan, he he was one of the athletes who actually was able to carve out 
a second career for himself after he retired from baseball. You know, we talk a lot about great broadcast teams, Robert, but when they started, when ESPN started Sunday Night Baseball in the 80s, Joe Morgan was teamed up with John Miller, and I'm telling you what, that was one of the best broadcast teams, TV or radio, I think that ever has been. I, I didn't care who was playing. I watched Sunday Night Baseball almost every week just so I could hear John Miller and, and watch uh, John Miller and Joe Morgan because they were quite a team together. Yeah, there was some criticism of Joe Morgan during that time, which I never understood. And Johnny Miller was just great. I'm, I miss him doing the Sunday night games. And, you know, you talk about all those second basemen that I just mentioned. If Kent and Altuve get into Cooperstown, which I think they will, that's five Hall of Famers at second base from the Astros. And by the way, Nellie Fox, one of those five Hall of Famers, suggested to Morgan that while he was at the plate, he should flap his back arm like a chicken to keep his elbow up. Morgan followed the advice, and for those who remember Joe Morgan, you know that became his signature at the plate. That's right. It sure did. And as I mentioned, yeah, Nellie Fox uh, was very instrumental in guiding Joe Morgan when he first came to the Astros. Uh, you know, Nellie Fox, of course, most of his career spent with other teams. By the time he came to the Cole 45s, it was toward the end of his career. But certainly, you know, a, a, a wise, sage person and a, a great player in his own right. Yeah, not a good day for Astros fans altogether. I mean, the Joe Morgan thing happened the day before, but we all learned about it on Monday. So just just a bad day. And I, I wish I, I felt something was going to change with the Astros in this series. But look, I tell you what, Stephen, with the A's and the Twins, I felt confident about the Astros playing those teams because I don't have a whole lot of respect for either one of those teams in big situations. This Rays team, I have the ultimate respect for these guys. I knew they were going to be tough. I mean, I, I don't think either team was going to be a, a, a team that you really wanted to play the Yankees or the Rays. But, man, the Rays are scrappy, and they scare you because they are just – they do all the little things right. And, and that's one thing that um, you, you have to respect for any team in the playoffs. And they don't have the talent that the Astros have in name. But, boy, they've got some talent there, especially on the pitching staff. Well, and a lot of it too, Robert, is how they have used their pitchers. You know, when you have a team that has 13 different pitchers that get saves, I mean, who does that? Name me any other team in Major League Baseball that has done that in any recent time, because I can't think of one. You know, that is, that, that is utilizing your pitching to the absolute best you can. And Kevin Cash, you know, he's, he's a young manager. He, I believe he was uh, 37 when he took over, and he's in his 40s now. He's been there for a few years. And he's definitely got it going on. And it's just, it, it's been amazing to see what they have done, especially in the last couple of years. You know, the, the Astros had that two game to none lead last year and they scrapped their way back, tied the series. They, they could have taken it. The Astros were fortunate, very fortunate to win that series. But this is a whole lot tougher. Now the Astros are looking at a 2 0 deficit. And I'm with you, Robert. I just don't know. I mean, the Astros have. Done some crazy things in the past. That's the only thing we have to hold on to, though. It's going to be really tough to come back against this pitching machine that the Rays have this year. And, you know, I don't know if there's any media that are hanging around in San Diego. I don't know if any Houston media is there. But typically, I would have liked to have heard a report that after everything was over with tonight, the Astros, and this you and I are speaking right after the game, the Astros... Jose Altuve and Yuli Gurriel are 
out there taking ground balls <laughs> with Altuve and, and short right field, and they're doing it over and over again, throwing the ball to first base until they figure that out. Because those two guys, I mean, it, I just didn't expect a total meltdown from those two guys on the defensive end in the playoffs this year. Well, I couldn't help but think this, Robert, but the first thing that popped into my mind when Altuve made that second throw for an error, the first thing I thought of was, oh, you're not going to tell me he's getting the yips, are you? Because it's happened to, you know, it certainly happened to other, you know, Steve uh, Steve Sachs happened to, when he played for the Dodgers, it happened to him. You know, two throws in a row like that, you just don't see that from a guy like Jose Altuve. Now, the next play he made at second base, he was able to get a good throw off and didn't happen anymore. But, boy, I, you just I, if you're an Astros fan, you hope that you never, ever see that again from any of those guys. Yeah, there was some throw. I'm telling you, there were some throws this year. While he didn't have a throwing error, there were some throws that he made that were either Yuli saved him or they just called it an infield base hit because he's in short right and should he have really made that play or he was running towards second base or something like that. And he bobbled some throws that he probably shouldn't have. Bobbled. It's like he, he had control of it and he just bobbled it. And so, and you know, and even in the other, some of the other games recently where he's had some very simple plays to make and just hadn't made them. Astros down in this series, 0-2. You got to win tonight. It's a must win on Wednesday, and we're going to keep bringing you the post games. Uh, just a reminder, as always, you can message us through Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. That's info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Tell your friends about us. Stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.